Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about the Hillsdale College UFO encounter. That's correct. The Hillsdale College UFO encounter. Now, just as a little bit of background on this, this uh, happened... Uh, a couple days uh, in March of 1966, there was the encounter at Hillsdale. There was also this sighting encounter slash uh, at Dexter, Michigan. And this uh, whole situation got a lot of coverage at the time in 1966. Reports of this thing being tracked by the Air Force. In fact, Gerald Ford, who I believe would have been the House Minority Leader at that time in the U.S. Congress, uh, because of all of the UFO uh, happenings that were going on, he had so many requests from people in his district there in in uh, Michigan that he sent a letter to the Pentagon uh, or the Air Force asking that these UFO phenomena be investigated. In fact, he wanted to have a full investigation and he wanted to have congressional hearings. He wanted to get, be able to get people uh, from the military uh, in Congress and get them on the record. Of course, we know that didn't happen. Just like today with today's congressional hearings where we have all these congressmen demanding action, demanding investigation, demanding uh, disclosure. And so often what they get back is just enough uh, compliance uh, for these people to keep their jobs. And the rest, as far as the rest of it's concerned, it looks like they're being told to go pound sand. Now, this first article comes to us from nationalreview.com. Title says, "Did Hills Did Hillsdale College once host visitors from outer space?" The articles by Jack Butler. It was written April twenty first, twenty twenty two. It says, "Hillsdale College, my alma mater, my alma mater, is getting recognized more and more nowadays. A private liberal arts college tucked away in a small town in southeastern Michigan, Hillsdale rejects all government funding." and takes his commitment to great books and to the Western and American heritage quite seriously. Its alumni go on to do great things. Many of them populate the ranks of the ranks of the conservative movement in various capacities. But what too few what too few people know is that Hillsdale College was also the site of a famous UFO sighting on March 21, 1966. Dozens of witnesses on campus watched for hours, hear that? Hours. Watch for hours as a mysterious, multicolored, football-shaped object appeared in the campus arbitrium. Arbitrium? As a longtime UFO enthusiast, I became fascinated by the story when I learned about it as a student. My fascination bore fruit in the form of a story I wrote for the Hillsdale College. Collegian, the campus newspaper, my senior year, and it says you can read it here, an excerpt. And he goes on, he says, The night of Monday, January, March 21st, 1966, was pretty typical for the McKentry Hall residents until the UFO appeared. At about 10.30 p.m., according to an eyewitness account, 
written by Gidget Khan three days later, dozens of girls and other witnesses, 87 in total, began to watch an intense silver-white light. The event was later described in Project Blue Book, the United States Air Force decades-long investigation of UFO sightings nationwide as football-shaped. The room of Josephine Evans, 69, had one of the best views of the object. Many girls crowded into it to watch. Quote, we suddenly spotted what appeared to be this strange light in the arb, Evans said. It was odd the way the lights wore, but it was also weird the way the UFO traveled. There was a glow around it, and the lights appeared to be pulsating. Khan's account added, the glow was gone, and there were three lights which were yellow-white. When the middle light turned red, and then the one on the left, we watched for about ten minutes, and then the object seemed to move up, and then to the right, and left very slightly. Anyway, some current Hillsdale Colleges have made a documentary. Now, on the site here, thisnationalreview.com, if you go to that, there's about a 30-minute video. It's called Aliens in the Arb, and you can probably find it on YouTube. It's very well done by some college kids and describing what happened that night and talk a little bit about um, the uh, joke of an investigation that was done. It was a cover-up and uh, a little bit about uh, what happened in Dexter, uh, the town over. It, it actually pretty well done. It says the documentary adds some details to my own accounts of the UFO sightings going into how the famous swamp gas explanation offered by J. Allen Hynek of the U.S. Air Force's Project Blue Book may not have been entirely genuine. Uh, no kidding. Re relaying archives of contemporary reactions to the incident and more. And then it talks about... Now we're going to get into this a little bit. Uh, what I would just say is uh, this, as they point out in that documentary... This was the first time um, that the term uh, swamp gas uh, was kind of released on the public. I have to think they shopped this around the same way that, you know, the CIA shopped around the term conspiracy theory. Uh, looking for uh, the verbiage that could do the most damage, the verbiage that could offer the most narrative control. And um, I, I enjoyed watching the documentary. Uh, they, they go into how... Uh, and they have some excerpts there of Heineck, you know, uh, providing this idiotic uh, explanation of swamp gas. They point out quite rightly that, well, the rural sighting that happened in Dexter, Michigan, which was just east of there, yes, there were some swamps around. But where this happened on this college campus, there were no swamps to produce the swamp gas. But Heineck did what these guys were so good at. He just generalized an excuse and then apply that to both sightings, even though both these sightings took place under completely different circumstances. So it was it would have been impossible for the swamp gas to have been produced at this college campus. There was no swamp. So, but you know, in, in true form, about half the population uh, was so afraid to uh, step outside of their known reality that they happily accepted this uh, idiotic explanation of swamp gas. Now, I can tell you, from my own personal experience, I've been to Michigan, I don't know, five or ten times probably over the years. I have a friend that lives there. We used to go up there fishing all the time. I've been around the swamps. I've never seen the swamp gas. Uh, if it's a real thing, uh, somebody please leave a comment and tell us. I do uh, specifically recall talking to his uh, mother, who's quite old now, 
telling me about an experience she had back in the early 70s. I think her daughter was actually with her, where they did see a, a large uh, saucer-shaped craft, lights all the way around. It looks like something out of Close Encounters with a Third Kind. Uh, just come down, I believe she said, just almost landed in a field not far from them. Michigan has been a hot spot for UFO activity. Not so much for swamp gas. And they go into it in the uh, documentary uh, quite a bit where uh, they, they interviewed a uh, person that was there at the time. And they said, yeah, you know, about half the people went along with that. About half the people just laughed at him and said, no, that's not what that was. Now, the second article comes to us from MLive.com. It says, swamp gas or UFO, Michigan author believes aliens flew over Dexter, Hillsdale, in 1966. This article is from April 1st, uh, 2021. It says, um, Dexter, Michigan, written by by McKenna Ross. Dexter, Michigan, it says, some said it was strange lights outside their Hillsdale College dorm. Others said they saw a floating disc near Dexter. Whatever it was, some southern Michigan residents knew they saw something mysterious in the sky that night in March 1966. Research into their claims led J. Allen Hynek, a U.S. Air Force cons- consultant, to infamously call these sightings swamp gas, the methane released from marshy land in the areas. I don't think the research had anything to do with it. We have to, I think it's safe to assume that J. Allen Hynek was a very intelligent person. I think that the people that sent him were very smart people. The only thing I see here is narrative control and a desire by the U.S. government and the deep state to cover up all of the, uh, there have been, been so much talk and so much uh, unrest about these UFOs just, you know, showing up over Michigan, uh, that spring and, and you know in, in the several months before and after and people were really upset about it and so he was sent there to quiet things down this was this was in no way a real investigation as a document as a documentary points out they had a, uh, a fellow that worked there one of his jobs was like uh, uh, I don't know he was like a, not a public safety guy but they had these guys back in the 40s and 50s you know after World War two kind of kind of the guy that would be there in case there was an emergency. He went out and did radiation uh, uh, measurements and did all kinds of stuff. And he's like, yeah, something happened here. He saw this craft up close. In fact, he said, somebody asked him, well, why didn't you walk over and touch it? And he said, well, why would I? Who knows if this thing could have been putting out some kind of an electrical charge. Now, they tried to play this guy down like he was some kind of a hillbilly. And they... And I use that as an attempt to use it in a derogatory term. Not that there's anything wrong with hillbillies. But what I'm getting at is they, they tried to make it seem like he was this uneducated, you know, rural person that was uh, just uh, caught up in this hysteria. That was not at all the case. He actually attempted to do a scientific investigation at the site. Heine didn't, for all we know. It says, but Ray... But Ray Siminski, a retired Air Force engineer and Detroit native who writes about UFOs, is certain his research goes deeper than that published in 1966. He believes testimony and records he has analyzed provide, prove aliens flew a UFO across Dexter, Hillsdale, and elsewhere that night. Well, I would just say it might be safer to say non-human entities because we don't know if they're aliens. We don't know uh, if there's some sort of paranormal thing. Uh, they could be dynamic creatures for all we know. 
Samosky's third book in this series, Alien Shades of Grey, focuses on these now-famous swamp gas sightings. Days after the incident, the attention of many, including reporters at the Ann Arbor News and Walter Cronkite, officials deemed the lights as flares of gas burning from area swamps. The explanation was so lacking that even then-Congressman Gerald Ford called for an investigation. Siminski, who now lives in Ohio, has tracked down Air Force pilots who said they chased a flying object that spring night 55 years ago after being sent into the air from Selfridge Air Force Base in Macomb County to investigate. So there's Air Force pilots that were sent up to track this thing. So it seems pretty unlikely that Heine didn't know about that. It just shows that this was not an investigation by Heineck and Blue Book, or whatever he was being called then. This was a cover-up. This whole notion of swamp gas was simply an attempt at a cover-up. It goes on, it says, The two captains were in the air for 90 minutes while searching for the UFO, according to 40 hours of recorded interviews between Samansky and one of the pilots. They used radar information from a from military control center and an onboard radar to locate it. Quote, one point of interest is they believe that it stopped in order to give the pilots a chance to catch up with it, Siminski said. It was taunting them. Okay, here you go. This is another case where humans are projecting their humanness onto this thing that we have no idea what it is. If this thing could be some sort of AI-controlled apparatus, who knows if it's taunting them? Who knows if, if it even has the capacity to taunt? I mean, we, we could be looking at Dr. Spock here. It could just be identifying them. It could be trying to entrap them. Or it could be that it finds them so inconsequential that it would be like if we stopped when a fly was following us. We don't know. After several minutes, the saucer-like flying object seemed to make an impossible 90-degree turn and disappear into the horizon. In the blink of an eye, he said. Seemed to? Once again, can't believe their own lying eyes. Look, these, <laughs> dude, you are a fighter pilot. You saw it do this. It did it. There's no seeming about it. It's not conditional. It actually happened. Siminski's research for alien and UFO books is based on, on multiple eyewitness interviews. First-person accounts and cross-referencing every possible detail, he said, he confirms the military records, assignments, titles, and any other details possible. The reason he trusts this pilot's account is because of three different identifying and locating methods. You've got to take everything to bedrock, and I've done that with this individual, Zeminski said. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he and his wingman not only intercepted that UFO and had visual sighting of it, but they also had a radar sighting of it, which means it was a solid object. Well, we've seen this happen over and over again with these things, where people have had visual sightings, they've had radar blips, they've even had satellite imagery of it. But still, we're told, drones, space trash, weather balloons. Zeminski has been researching UFO sightings since the late 1990s, when a sighting in Phoenix piqued his interest. At the time, he worked as an engineer at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, the Ohio base known for Project Blue Book, the investigation of UFOs. He used to ask intelligence officers there about alien rumors, probing to see if they were true or not, he said. That interest and repeated scientific poking around 
famous UFO sightings like Exeter, New Hampshire, and Phoenix ultimately led him to write books about his research. His third book on the Michigan Swamp Gas story will self-publish in April. Siminski believes the information he found changes history, or at least vindicates the dozens of eyewitnesses during that time who saw something mysterious in the sky. To all those who vehemently denied that you saw swamp gas, you are hereby believed, and someone owes you a big apology, he said. Zeminski will talk about the book, and then blah, 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 This and this happened last year. They had a, they had a, a uh, meeting about this. Now, there's one last article I want to look at here. Uh, and before I get started, I just want to say one thing. You know, these... Anytime we have these mass sightings, even it could be a, it could be a hundred different witnesses, and as they pointed out in the documentary, this thing was witnessed by you know college staff. Uh, I think they said eighty-seven witnesses in total of these girls that were at the dorm. These are all you know nice uh, middle America, supposedly college uh, college kids giving us an honest account of what they saw. You had college staff working there, that den, the woman in charge of the dorm, the gentleman I talked about before that was the uh, uh, safety officer or whatever. You had police officers show up. They observed it. So you had people in official capacities observing these UFOs. And according to Heine, even the police officers who observed the UFO on the grounds of Hillsdale campus where there is no swamp, saw swamp gas. Now, think about that for a minute, how ridiculous that is if we're told that we can't trust a police officer's eyewitness account. Now, I did a little looking around, and I found that about 5% of convictions are from eyewitness accounts. And I guess there's around 57,000 federal criminal cases a year. We know they've got about a 97% uh, you know, conviction rate. So let's just say 50,000 people a year are convicted of federal crimes. And 5% of those are based on eyewitness testimony. That's 2,500 people a year sent to, sent to federal prison because of eyewitness testimony. Think about that. That's what, uh, 50 people a week? Go to prison, go to federal prison, long terms, we're not talking about a couple months, decades, could be life, based on eyewitness testimony. So we live in a society that's happy to put somebody in prison for the rest of their life, even though we know there's plenty of false accusation cases that come out where people serve decades and get released, doesn't matter, 2,500 people a year it looks like are being sent to prison, at least in the federal system, every year, eyewitness testimony. But if that same person sees a UFO, they're told that they're mistaken, that they're crazy, that they're a conspiracy theorist, that they're seeing swamp gas. So why is it that if an eyewitness claims to see somebody committing a crime, they can send that person to prison for decades or life, but if that same eyewitness sees a UFO, they're told that they're wearing a tinfoil hat and that their eyewitness account doesn't mean anything. Will someone please explain that to me? Now, this last article is from WKAR.org radio. It says, 
The Michigan Mutual UFO Network presents the Swamp Gas UFO Conference, and then it goes on here. It says, the vernal equinox came and went quietly. This this is from a couple years ago, I think. Uh, Dateline, 2016. So this was on the 50-year anniversary, six-year-old article. The vernal equinox came and went quietly yesterday on a clear blue Sunday in mid-Michigan. But 50 years ago, the first day of spring in Michigan was not so quiet. On March 20, 1966, dozens of people claimed to have spotted a UFO hovering around Dexter, Michigan, near Ann Arbor. The next day, a similar report came out of Hillsdale. The rash of sightings made national news and even caught the attention of veteran newsman Walter Concrete. But what was the thing all these people saw? Current state reporter Kevin Lavery went to Ann Arbor this weekend for a conference com- commemorating the anniversary of the sighting to try to find out. The call came into the Washington County Sheriff around 8.30 that evening, says Harry Wilness, UFOologist and former director of the Michigan UFO Network. On the line was a local farmer named Frank Manor. He said he was on the porch trying to calm down his barking dogs when he saw a bright object falling from the north. He described a football-shaped object about the size of a small car, says Wilness. He also mentioned a mist that seemed to hang from the bottom, which is common in the UFO sightings. That's true. The Washington County Sheriff's Police Report described an object with blue-green and white flashing lights. The lights would often change colors. News reports from Hillsdale the following day would describe similar sightings. I think what made these cases unique is their relation to each other in time, one day after another after the huge number of witnesses involved, said historian Will Matthews. It's almost like this thing maybe was having some sort of mechanical issues. It says we're talking 50 to 100 witnesses in Dexter, and close to that number in Hillsdale. Such an uncommon sighting was bound to bring outside attention, and suddenly Walter Cronkite wasn't the only one interested in the Michigan farm town. Now you got a sighting of 200 people approximately, 100 to 200 people see this thing. It's a mass sighting. They're calling the police. The police are seeing it. It's like in your face. J. Allen Hynek, renowned astronomer and authority figure on UFOs during the 1940s, was brought in by the Air Force to investigate. You know, this is something I don't... Authority figure on UFOs, according to who? According to who? Kind of like Carl Sagan. Authority figure. Authority figure. Not to me. Means nothing to me. I mean, I'm not saying he's not a smart guy, but I don't respect that authority. I respect my own authority when it comes to these things. I don't need somebody else to tell me what I saw. I have my own two eyes. Heinick's probe concluded that people were probably just witnessing a natural phenomena called swamp gas. Now, you could have, instead of saying Heinick's probe, they could have just said Heinick's cover up. Quote, they needed someone to come in and say, Here's what you probably saw that night, said Wilness. He was convinced that these were crackpots, visionaries, people who were seeing things or had too much to drink. I don't think so. I think William Heineck knew exactly what he was dealing with. Or, I shouldn't say exactly, but I think he knew... I knew... I think he knew that he was dealing with the UFO phenomena. And I don't think that he thought for one second these people were crackpots, visionaries, or had too much to drink. I think he knew that these were reliable witnesses... And he had to shut them up. And the only way that he could do that was through societal pressure. And he did that by humiliating them and by calling them names. 
The Manor family had a rough time after the government denounced the UFO sighting. Yeah, what a crappy thing to do to people. You know, shame on, shame on Heineck. What a crappy thing to do to people. You take these, these, these just working class people, okay? They're just trying to survive day to day. I think, the, I think this guy had ten kids. They're living there in rural Michigan. He's working his tail off trying to provide for his family. He's not hurting anybody. He's a law-abiding citizen. And this, and this guy, this authority figure, comes rolling in from Washington, D.C. and humiliates this man with his swamp gas nonsense to the point that this guy is ostracized socially. I think he said that he wished he'd never even reported it. He didn't deserve that. A citizen does not deserve to be uh, socially destroyed by their government because they because they reported seeing a UFO. This is not correct. It says cars lined up. The, man, the Manor family had a rough time after the government denounced the UFO sighting. Cars lined up around the, their property for weeks after. People unnecessarily trampled over the lawn. Frank Manor even had his car windshield smashed by a beer bottle. That's what happens when you deperson someone. You see, Frank Manor was depersoned. Frank Manor was depersoned. And once and once you're depersoned, then the idiots in the group feel like they have the right to physically harm you because you're no longer a, a person. Frank Marson was de Frank Manor was depersoned. Oh, this guy, he's a crackpot. He's a conspiracy theorist. He's a tinfoil hat wearer. All he saw was swamp gas. He's a troublemaker. Frank Manor was depersoned by the government. And what happened? Well, that brings out the idiots. Like they said, there's a poor guy raising 10 kids who probably has barely enough to get by, ends up with his car window smashed up. A major expense for a guy like this. Years later, Heineck's skepticism about UFOs would subside. He and Williams would eventually work together at the Center for UFO Studies in Chicago. And you know what I never heard was an apology. I never heard an apology from Heineck to Mr. Manor for Mr. Manor being depersoned. Never heard that. Even, but, you know, once once the narrative have, once the false narrative that this was swamp gas had done its job, once it had calmed down uh, the, uh, the anxious uh, folk, once Mr. Manor had been depersoned and they could take out all of their angst about having to deal with the reality of this UFO, they could take that all on Mr. Manor, then kind of like letting steam out of the steam kettle. You deperson one person who sees the flying saucer. See, that would happen 400 years ago. Mr. Manor might have been burned at the stake. Think about it. Even with an official investigation and explanation, those few nights in 1966 remain clouded in mystery. But it's not so mysterious to Harry Woolness. I'm absolutely a believer, says Woolness. What I really enjoy, and this has happened several times in my life, people who just laugh at me, they're just so, what is wrong with you? And then I guess what? They have their own sighting. They have their own close encounter. And oh my goodness, I've seen the eyes become like saucers. That's true. I'll tell you what I take from this uh, Hillsdale UFO encounter. These girls will watch this thing for several hours right there on the college campus. What I take from this is the really the disgusting way that the U.S. government handled it. You had two sightings. 
One by one occurred at this at this college, uh, witnessed by let's face it, uh, upper middle class uh, young women. They 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 were because of the, because of their social status, Heinick was not allowed to deperson them. Uh, he rambled on a bit about you know mass hysteria, but the citing in Dexter with uh, Frank Manor. That's who they went after and who they attacked and who they depersoned. Why? Because he was poor, working class, and he couldn't defend himself, which is Frank. They left him out there to hang. You had these idiots showing up at his house, throwing beer bottles into his car window, trampling his yard, treating him like he was less than them. That's what that's that's the most disturbing part of all this. And then after the years go by, and Frank's la- life has been immeasurably harmed while the girls at Hillsdale College went on with their lives you know perfectly fine as they should have but because the government wanted to control the narrative wanted to calm things down they had to take old Frank and deperson him they had to humiliate him they had to make him look like he was less than his neighbors and instead of his neighbors standing up for Frank and saying, hey, that could be me, well, some of the base among them decided to take upon themselves to persecute Hank a little bit. Mistreat Frank. That's what I take from this, is that if you are vulnerable, if you are vulnerable, if your social status allows you to be depersoned, okay, if you haven't got the money to fight back, say, or the status to fight back, then you got to be careful, because it is not above these deep state actors to deperson you if it's in their own interest. And then they can come back in 15, 20 years and act like nothing happened. Yeah, Frank, maybe it wasn't swamp gas, who knows. Was Frank Manor ever made whole for the attacks he suffered personally on his character? Was he ever compensated for all of the nonsense that he had to put up with because the government came along and publicly ridiculed him? Not as far as I know. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.